In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. The Good Shepherd has risen, who lay down his life for his sheep and willingly died for his flock. Alleluia. This is the communion antiphon of today's Mass, the Mass of the fourth Sunday of Easter, which is popularly referred to as Good Shepherd Sunday, because the liturgy of the Word, indeed the whole liturgy of the Mass, is focused on the person of you, Lord, the Good Shepherd, who died and rose for us. The Good Shepherd is risen, is risen. Um, a joyful, a joyful uh, announcement. Easter joy. But of course, it implies that the Good Shepherd died. And that's exactly, Lord, as you told us in the Gospel of John. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And maybe it's good for us to, to pause here in our meditation and just consider this. What kind of a shepherd gives his life for his sheep? A good shepherd, a diligent shepherd, certainly will suffer for his sheep, lose sleep, lose energy, chase after them, protect them from thieves or from wolves or whatever else. But what kind of a shepherd gives up his life for his sheep. That's completely disproportionate. You're not comparing like with like at all here. It's a bit crazy. Well, this is the shepherd who is Jesus, who is God. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And that's why the joy of Easter is so great, is so intense. Because it's almost too good to be true. Almost too good to be true because it's so good that God made man, died for us. That's how much he loves us. Lord, I find it so hard to get my head around this. In fact, it's impossible for me to get my head around it. But I ask the Holy Spirit to grant me the grace of a deeper perception of your love for me. And certainly, you know, when we contemplate meditate on the person of the good shepherd <coughs> we are helped to understand a bit more deeply the immensity of God's love for us in Christ it's interesting that when Saint John comes to as it were define or describe love in his first letter his first epistle he does it only in relation to the self-giving of God in Christ he says, in this we know love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us 
and gave his son to be the expiation for our sins. So love is defined not by anything you and I might do, but first and foremost by what God does for us, by sending his son. I suppose those words of St. John mirror the words of Jesus to Nicodemus. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that all who believe in him might not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world. Well, Jesus, frankly, I find it hard to, um, to grasp this. You who are all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wisdom, you are also all-love. And you care about me, not just in general terms, but very specifically. In one of his homilies, St. Josemaria says, Once again, we hear the voice of the Good Shepherd calling us tenderly. I have called you by your name. He calls each, each of us by our name, the familiar name used only by those who love us. Words cannot describe Jesus' tenderness towards us. Words cannot describe Jesus' tenderness towards us. And that's why we need to pray. I can only learn of Jesus' tenderness towards me by being <coughs> in his presence, by being close to you, Lord, by drinking in your love, as it were, by letting your Holy Spirit um, teach me profoundly how much I mean to you, how much we mean to you. This tenderness, this goodness of the Good Shepherd. It is important for us to realise how much our Lord loves us. Not, you know, so that we become complacent or casual in any way, but precisely so that we can become holy. Because holiness is always a response to God's love. St. Therese of Lisieux one day was moving a book from one place to another and a little, uh, I suppose, holy card or image fell out of it. And it was uh, a picture of our Lord's pierced hand. And that had a profound impact on her life. The awareness of our Lord's love for us gives us life and gives us, I suppose, the spiritual energy, determination, zeal to truly seek to give ourselves completely to our Lord. St. Josemaria had a huge devotion to the Good Shepherd and he expressed it in many ways. But um, in his homily, The Richness of Ordinary Life, he begins the homily with uh, a reminiscence. I remember many years ago now I was going along a road in Castile with some friends when we noticed something in a field far away which made a deep impression on me at the time and has since often helped me in my prayer. A group of men were hammering some wooden stakes into the ground, which they then used to support netting to form a sheep pen. Then shepherds came along with their sheep and their lambs. They called them by their names and one by one lambs and sheep went into the pen 
where they could be all together, safe and sound. And then St. Josemaria just prays, and we can, in a sense, make his prayer our own if we wish. Today, Lord, my thoughts go back specially to those shepherds and their sheepfold, because all of us who are gathered here to converse with you, and many others the world over, we all know that we have been brought into your sheepfold. You yourself have told us so. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. You know us well. You know that we wish to hear, to listen ever attentively to your gently whistling, to your gentle whistling as our good shepherd, and to heed it, because eternal life is knowing you, who are the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's what we're doing in our prayer now. Listening to the gentle whistling of the Good Shepherd. Entering into intimate dialogue with the one true God who is all love, all compassion, all gentleness. St. Josemaria finished that reflection there by saying, The image of Christ with his sheep at his right and left means so much to me that I have had it depicted in the oratory where I normally celebrate Holy Mass. Elsewhere, as a reminder of God's presence, I have had engraved Jesus' words, I know my sheep and they know me, to help us consider constantly that he is at our side, reproaching us, instructing us and teaching us as does a shepherd with his flock. So, prayer about and above all to and with the Good Shepherd is something very personal, something very rich and very transformative when we pray well, like we're trying to do now. The Holy Spirit transforms us, transforms our soul, transforms our person and in fact ultimately ultimately makes us in our own place in in the world wherever we are makes each each, each of us to be as it were the presence of the good shepherd but what's key in this is that we do pray well that we do get to know you Jesus the one true and good shepherd there's a story told of a famous actor who um after many years of success, was given a great reception in his childhood parish. And when he was replying to the lovely tributes and speeches they had made for him, um, he asked the people there in the parish hall, was there anything they especially wanted to hear from him? And after a short pause, his elderly pastor asked him if he would be good enough to recite the psalm of the Good Shepherd, Psalm 22, which he, the pastor, had taught him years earlier in catechism class. A strange look came over the actor's face for a minute. He paused, and then he said, Yes, I I will, I'll recite it, on one condition, that after I have recited it, you do the same. And the elderly pastor agreed to do that. So impressively then, the actor begins to recite the psalm 
perfect voice, perfect intonation. He's a real professional. He holds his audience spellbound. And when he's finished, there's a great round of applause. And after the applause has died down, the elderly pastor, he has to do his bit. He has to begin to recite the psalm. And he was very elderly, so his voice is feeble and a bit tremulous and his tone wasn't great. But actually people were very moved in the room as they listened to him. And when he finished up, there was no applause, but there was like a deep, deep silence. And uh, then the actor said, You see, I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. The actor saying, look, I know the psalm, but the, this pastor here, he knows the shepherd. I, I suppose that's, you know, that's our grace, our privilege for all of us to, to be called to, to get to know the shepherd. To be people who pray. To be Christ-centered. To see the face of our Lord in and around us. To hear the voice of our Lord in the events of our lives, in the people around us, in situations. To live with the Good Shepherd. When we talk about intimacy, friendship, this deep relationship with the Good Shepherd, um, it's worth remembering, of course, that our Lord has a very deep relationship with each one of us, especially through the sacraments. Christ has an intimate relationship with our souls, with your soul, with my soul. In a homily he gave on the Ascension, St. Leo the Great says that now, after the Ascension, Christ has passed into his sacraments. The Ascension doesn't mean that our Lord no longer exists, that he's no longer present or active, but rather he has passed into his mysteria, his mysteries, the sacraments which are signs and effective, um, effective signs. You know, they make the Lord and his work present. And even, you know, in our own time, it can be good to meditate on the psalm of the Good Shepherd. And we find there, if you like, the whole sacramental relationship between Jesus and each one of us. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. Fresh and green are the pastures where he gives me repose. Near restful waters he leads me to revive my drooping spirit. What are those restful waters that revive our spirit, if not ultimately the waters of baptism, where you, Jesus, took possession of, of us in our souls, in our bodies, in the deepest level of our being, where you convert the aridity of ourselves into green pastures, fresh water, in other words, where you give us the life of grace, which is your very life, to become partakers in your life. That's the fresh pastures. Every day you and I can begin the day with a smile on our, on our face because we're beginning a new day in the green pastures of eternal life, the life of grace, the life of Christ in us and through us and with us. He guides me in right paths for his name's sake, even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. With your rod and your staff, 
that give me courage. Yes, indeed, throughout our lives we will undoubtedly have struggles, dark moments, times when we're disorientated or disappointed or just plain confused. But I will fear no evil, Lord, in those moments, in that dark valley, for you are at my side. This is what we see about the Good Shepherd. He's faithful. He's always faithful. You and I, we don't always perhaps manage to be faithful, and Lord, I'm sorry for that. I make a really personal act of contrition for my lack of faithfulness. But I know that you are always faithful. It's very worthwhile for us to, to read um, calmly and to meditate on um, the most recent pastoral letter from the prelate of Opus Dei, from the father, from Monsignor Fernando O'Carrith, which is about faithfulness or fidelity. And there he makes the point strongly that our faithfulness to God in reality is nothing but a response to his faithfulness to us. The fact that we're able to follow you, Jesus, each day and to keep going on our Christian life is because you are constantly by our side with your rod and your staff that give me courage. Sometimes we feel that we're falling, we feel lost, but that's never the case. The Good Shepherd is always in reality by our side. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. My head you have anointed with oil. My cup is overflowing. Yes, here surely we see the mystery of the Holy Eucharist, the table that's spread out for each one of us. Think of the intimacy of the Good Shepherd with your soul. From the first time you and I received Holy Communion, the day of our first Holy Communion, and in each subsequent communion, that intimacy, that communion, literally, that love, how close the Good Shepherd is to us. We often see in Christian iconography, going right back to the catacombs, the shepherd who carries the lost sheep on his shoulders, or who carries the lamb. And that's you and me carrying us. Well, our Lord does that, you could say, in a certain sense, in each of the sacraments, but in a special way. In the sacrament of the Eucharist, he carries us to himself. You anoint my head with oil, my cup is overflowing. Well, our head is indeed anointed at baptism, at confirmation, in the anointing of the sick. We are anointed. We are anointed with, with God's spirit, with God's love, ultimately. Again, those sacraments, which make present all the care of the Good Shepherd. It's in confirmation that we're made strong. Likewise, in the sacrament of the sick, spiritually we're made very strong. Sometimes also physical health can be improved. Only goodness and kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. In the Lord's own house shall I dwell forever and ever. So, finishing off this psalm of the intimacy of God with our souls, we say and we profess our faith that we will share in the same household as the Good Shepherd. God's house is our house. 
God's home is our home. The Good Shepherd looks after us and, and, and brings us to, to where we belong, to where we're truly at home. Jesus, you are the Good Shepherd. Increase my faith, my hope, and my love based on who you are for me. Last year on Good Shepherd Sunday, the Holy Father gave a lovely meditation in the uh, Regina Celi address, all about the Good Shepherd. Um, he says, Jesus, the Good Shepherd, knows his sheep and the sheep know him. How beautiful and comforting it is to know that Jesus knows us one by one, that we are not unknown to him, that our name is known to him. We are not a mass, a multitude for him, no. We are unique individuals, each with his or her own story. He knows each of us with our own story, each one with his or her own value, both as creatures and as people redeemed by Christ. Each of us can say, Jesus knows me. It is true, it is like this. He knows us like no other. Only he knows what is in our hearts, our intentions, our most hidden feelings. Well, Lord, you know what's in my heart, my intentions, my most hidden feelings. And I offer them to you now. And whatever might need purification in my heart and my intentions, my hidden feelings, I ask you, good shepherd, gentle shepherd, loving shepherd, to heal them, to purify them. And whatever weakness is in me, my defects, my sins, my limitations, my disappointments, grant me your strength. Help me to follow you with your rod and your staff that give me comfort. Jesus, says Pope Francis, knows our strengths and our defects and is always ready to care for us, to heal the wounds of our errors with the abundance of his mercy. Well, today is a good day for us to convert. We might say, every day is a good day to convert. But today, Good Shepherd Sunday, we rediscover the Lord's love for us. The Lord's self-sacrificing love for us. The Lord's crazy love for us, we might say. And it's on that basis that we're able to get on our feet again. I remember a few years ago, being with a group of friends in a house down in the countryside. And we were just chatting away in the sitting room. And then one of the lads started shouting and pointed out the window and, and ran out the door, ran out the front door into the field next to the house we were in. And, and in that field, there was a flock of sheep. And we all followed him out because he beckoned us to follow him. And among all these sheep, there were a lot of sheep in the field. There was one, very bloated, that was lying on its back with its legs in the air. It had toppled over and was trapped, if you like, on its back. It was a kind of a comical scene, really. It's surreal. But um, the lad who had called us out, who indeed is a farmer and therefore knows a lot about sheep, he told us, look, look, together, let's just put the sheep back on his feet, you know. So together we all helped, and within a second, you know, the sheep was back on his feet again. And the farmer explained to us, look, if we hadn't... Um, turn that sheep around it could have died from asphyxiation so if you ever see a sheep on its back like that you have to 
put it back um, on its feet. And that's what the shepherd does. And, and our Lord, so often, you put me back on my feet. Here I think of the sacrament of, of penance, of reconciliation. Or here I think of the times when I, when I listen to the word of God, maybe proclaimed at Mass or reading the scriptures, or, or maybe it's a friendly word from a spouse or a friend or a brother or a sister that corrects me, that helps me. That's also the good shepherd. A colleague that gives me helpful feedback at work that can be the good shepherd puts me back on my feet and of course the story of our lives is is always that isn't it of getting back on our feet very often I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep we can't really meditate on the person of the good shepherd without recalling our own vocation to be the presence of the love of the good shepherd for other people too we're all called to be sheep and shepherds to one another, to be compassionate, to be mediators of God's love for one another. Um, and how can we do this? Well, I guess by following the example of the Good Shepherd, you know, how can we serve and rescue others and put others back on their feet, as it were? How can we do apostolate? How can we evangelize? Well, by following the Good Shepherd, which means embracing the cross, suffering for the flock. It doesn't have to be a dramatic suffering, it doesn't always have to be very agonizing, but pushing the boat out, you know, going out into the deep where we're maybe a little less comfortable, beyond our comfort zone, and being willing to share the fate of the flock, care enough to to reach out to them, to say those few words, or to give that good example, or to smile, or whatever it might be. There are some words of St. John Paul II which are very good for Good Shepherd Sunday. He says, We must imitate the Good Shepherd and give ourselves without rest for the salvation of souls. Without forgetting material charity and social justice, we must be convinced that the most sublime charity is spiritual charity, that is, the commitment for the salvation of souls. And souls are saved with prayer and sacrifice. This is the mission of the church. This is the mission of the church. Well, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to uh, imbue me with the mystery of the Good Shepherd, so that I, in my turn, notwithstanding my own weaknesses and limitations, can somehow be um, a Good Shepherd for my brothers and sisters. We're in the month of May, Our Lady's month, and uh, we can remember also Our Lady as the shepherdess. There is in the church actually a devotion to La Divina Pastora, which is called the Divine Shepherdess. Not that Our Lady is regarded as divine, but rather that she's the mother of the divine. And it's a devotion that I think arose originally in Seville and then is quite popular today in Venezuela, especially in the city of Barcasimeto. I believe there's four million people a year go on the procession, procession of the La Divina Pastora, you know, Our Lady who is the, the shepherdess who cares for us. Um, also great devotion to the Divina Pastora in the Philippines and other parts of the world. But it's that idea, again, I suppose, of Our, Lord, of Our Lady who shares in the mission of her son and, and cares for his people, and cares for her people. A few days ago, 
at his installation as the new Bishop of Galway and Clonfert, Bishop Michael Dignan um, did a beautiful thing in the cathedral in Galway after communion uh, at the Mass. He, he entrusted the Diocese of Galway and Clonfert to Our Lady, Consoler of the Afflicted, and he knelt before an image of Our Lady there, which is a copy of a painting which belonged to Walter Lynch, who was a priest of Galway and became the Bishop of Clonfert in 1647. But of course, that, that was the time of the um, Cromwellian persecution. And Bishop Walter Lynch had to escape off to the continent. Um, and he had with him this picture of Our Lady, Our Lady, Consoler of the Afflicted. And Bishop Lynch became friends with um, the Bishop of Gyor in Hungary, uh, about 75 miles from Vienna. And he worked there at the cathedral for a few years in Gyor. And that image of Our Lady is still in that cathedral of Gyor. Um, he was due to re return home to his mission in Clonfert, but he died suddenly in July 1663 before he could leave for Ireland. In fact, he's buried in Gyor. And the picture hung in the cathedral of Gyor in memory of Bishop Lynch. And on St. Patrick's Day in 1697, at a time that some of the most severe penal laws were being enacted, um, the picture of Our Lady shed tears of blood during a three-hour period from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., St. Patrick's Day, 1697. And large crowds of people, also of differing faiths, they weren't all Catholics, flocked to the cathedral and witnessed the event. There's still today a, a little purificator, a white cloth, which was used to, to dry the blood from the image. And the picture is still there in Gyor, and um, in September 1996, St. John Paul II actually prayed in front of it. But uh, that miraculous image, it's just one example of uh, the compassion of Our Lady for us, her active identification with God's people. So we can learn from Our Lady to... Uh, to know the Good Shepherd and to be his presence for others. I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you have communicated to me in this time of prayer. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.